You're listening to the Drowning in Shallow podcast, where we explore rich and meaningful encouragement that doesn't try to put a bow on difficulty. I'm Janelle, a wife, mom, business owner, lover of hospitality, and fellow needer of encouragement. This is a safe place to engage one another in honestly identifying our emotions, naming our troubles, and finding hope that lasts, even when our circumstances don't change. Stop drowning in the shallow platitudes of life. It's time to jump in, grab a life raft, and learn to float in deep waters. Subscribe to my email encouragements at encouragedwithjanelle.com. If you're tired of messages about positive thinking or self-empowerment that ignore or suppress life's true difficulties or our authentic, limited humanity, you're in just the right place. I'm so glad to have you here. 10 Ways to Help Fight Bitterness Harsh words, critical judgments, and inflammatory sarcasm are far too easy to find these days. Discussing race, face masks, politics, or other norms of life, the opportunities for sin and offense are readily available. Whether the sting of words, false accusation, or betrayal come from those closest to you or from strangers through a computer screen, we're all facing the need for forgiveness somehow. Regardless of the size or brand of transgression, we're called to fight bitterness and forgive. But how? Here are some observations that have helped me along my own ongoing journeys with forgiving. Number one, don't minimize the offense. While it can sound counterproductive, The truth is that denying, minimizing, or excusing offenses can seem charitable at the outset, but there's no need for forgiveness where sin hasn't occurred. Identify what's wrong. Thoughtfully explore and acknowledge its impact on you personally. Naming what hurts and why it hurts you individually as a person and with your story is essential to thorough forgiving. Whether this takes place in your journal, with a counselor, or alongside a trusted friend who's familiar with your particular temptations, knowing the specifics of what you are forgiving is vital. Number two, be clear on your purpose. The direction and destination of forgiveness matters as well as your motives for it. Absorbing the pain inflicted by another is an invitation to share in the sufferings of Christ. Forgiveness is meant to grow intimacy and communion in your relationship with God as you become more like the man of sorrows and better know Christ's heart and what he was willing to suffer for you. What if you viewed forgiveness of others as a process that's mostly vertical with merely horizontal ramifications? Vertical engagement with God, a bearing of your hurting, bruised heart exposed before him for his healing, with horizontal ripple effects. The horizontal bears fruit in your relationship with others as you trust God's good at work for you, over and through their sin. Anything short of deeper union with Christ as your aim towards forgiveness is incomplete and will disappoint in the end. Number three, bask in the active justice of God. Entrust the wrongdoer, 
the sin and its ripple effects into God's care and embrace his story for this heartache in your life. Give yourself time for this. It's a process and sometimes big pills to swallow. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. Psalm 37, 28. Unless you are genuinely convinced that God is your just protector and defender and that he will act on your behalf in his timing, you'll likely give in to the temptation to defend and protect yourself by hurting back. God is far more thorough in dealing with wrongs done against you than you could ever be, which then means that the effectiveness of his work of justice and vengeance on your behalf is incomparable to the weak attempts for justice your anger can produce at such wrongs. Number four, embrace sadness, resist anger. Bitterness can come when anger makes us feel bigger and stronger. Sorrow feels weak and vulnerable. The tempting invitation anger offers to provide temporary relief in soothing your pain needs resisting. The invitation is shallow, void, and will not produce true peace in the end. Work on engaging with the ache of the sin against you. Allow the offense to press on these raw, tender places of your heart and story, and don't try to hide or cover the impact it has on you or the natural consequences thereby imposed onto the offender. God invites our neediness of him as we learn to engage in our sadness in a way that is costly. This is painful, but the rewards of more deeply knowing Christ in these places are rich and palpable. Number five, prepare for the marathon. True forgiveness is the absorption of pain another has inflicted. Remember that this isn't a process that can be rushed. It doesn't happen all at once. Forgiveness is a marathon, not a sprint. You'll need time, you'll struggle, and you'll desperately need God's help. That's the whole point. Number six, humanize the wrongdoer. This one can be really challenging. Remind yourself that the offender's life precedes and succeeds the offenses against you. Admitting that there are many parts of the trespasser's story you don't know or fully understand might help as you contextualize the offenses. Remind yourself of how little about them you know. This is an exercise of humility. And push against the temptation to only see them in light of the genuine wrong done and hurt felt in its wake. In time, can you think about or speak about anything positive or charitable about this person, obviously without excusing their sin? These constructive realities are parallel to the pain they've caused you. They don't conflict. Number seven, bless the offender in your prayers. We've all heard this one before. It's popular because it's biblical and it works. I'll share for me personally, singing the song, The Blessing, with the person who's hurt me in mind as I pray the song over them internally has helped stir my heart with genuine warmth and affection towards them without feeling tempted to bypass my pain. Number eight, 
move away from identity thoughts. As you consider the offender and their sin against you, be careful to distinguish between the sentiments of the words characterize and identify. While this sin or patterns like it may indeed typify your experience with this person or describe their past or current character, resist the temptation to think that this is their identity, the truest thing about them. It's not. Just like your sin isn't the truest thing about you either. See number six. Number nine, carefully distinguish forgiveness from reconciliation. Forgiveness is only one of the necessary ingredients to the important recipe of reconciliation. Not getting this right leads to a lot of false guilt, pressure, and subsequently very, very bad advice. While the desire and pursuit of both forgiveness and reconciliation are biblical, forgiveness is something we can go after apart from the offender, and reconciliation requires both parties' participation. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Romans 12:18. Number 10. Don't measure progress by your feelings alone. Working hard to try to not feel offended by sin won't ever produce true forgiveness. Shoving pain down and working towards neutral or positive emotions towards someone, excusing their behavior, striving to feel unaffected by their sin, or hiding consequences all lead away from true forgiveness, not towards it. Offense is not primarily emotional, and neither is forgiveness. Feeling pain and struggling can actually be evidence of wonderful fruit marking progress in forgiveness. Additionally, feeling numb or indifferent might be an indicator that something else has gone on that's not forgiveness. While it's unpleasant to feel pain in this way, it's godly and will have its reward in your life. Like anything, when we misunderstand a calling of Christ and impose our culture's definitions in place of biblical understanding, our intimacy and relationship with God is short-circuited. We're the ones who miss out. God has far more for us here, friends, than merely slapping a speedy, I forgive you, on hurt. Let's pick up our crosses, embrace the long, hard road, and feast at the table of his reward knowing him more deeply. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Anything else pales in comparison. Do we actually believe it? Thanks so much for joining us today on Drowning in Shallow. Go ahead and click that subscribe button so you don't miss an encouragement.